Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. So does. Should we start off the show by thanking our Patreon contributors? Sounds good. Okay. So this week we had Jeremy. Dresky, Lisa, Katie, Alyssa, Claire, Amanda, Michael, Sarah, Conchata, and that's it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Any so, news to report? Um, news. No. <laughs> okay. I'm actually kind of cranky because I am doing keto. Again? Again, did I ever do keto before? I can't remember. I mean, I've done like various low carb. I guess I don't know what the difference is. Uh, didn't you do like Ducan? <laughs> oh, that was like a few days. <laughs> <laughs> How's the keto going? It's pretty good. I've, it... ate a, I've eaten a burger every day for the past six days. But no bread. Right. A burger with that bun. Double, double. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Sounds good. Uh-huh. All right. So this is a case... That I find absolutely riveting. Sherry Rasmussen met John Rutten in the summer of 1984. He was 25 and a recent graduate at UCLA, and she was 27 and the director of nursing at the Glendale Adventist Medical Center. Both John and Sherry were smart, ambitious, and athletic, and both shared a love of running. The pair fell in love fast and got married in November of 1985. By 1986, John and Sherry were living in domestic bliss in their three-story Van Nuys condo. John had begun work at an engineering company while Sherry was thriving in her nursing career. As John was getting ready to leave work the morning February 24, 1986, he remembers that Sherry was still in bed, lamenting about having to go into work that day. She had to give some kind of a presentation. Right. So she was nervous. She wasn't nervous. She just felt... It was like an unnecessary thing that she had to do. And it was just one of those mornings where she was like, "Ugh, I just like, why? this is so pointless. Like, I can't right. believe I have to get out of bed for this. So that's like what he remembers from that morning. Right. It's like, she didn't want to go, but he's like, come on, sweetie. He's kind of being her cheerleader. Like, yeah. get up, greet the day. It's 1986. Have the orange <laughs> juice that's on the table. The sunny delight. Right. <laughs> so he's trying to get her out of bed. She was considering calling in sick. He left their home at 7.20 a.m. While John was at work, he phoned Sherry several times to check in on her, but he couldn't get a hold of her at home or at work. It was odd, but he wasn't too concerned. He went about his day, and when he got off work, he ran a few errands before returning home that evening. When John arrived at the condo, he noticed the garage door was left open and that Sherry's car was gone. Then he saw the shards of broken glass by the garage entrance. At first, he thought that maybe she'd had a car accident and that she'd taken her car in for a repair. When John entered their house, there he found his wife lying in the living room floor. She was wearing her red bathrobe. Her face had been badly beaten, and she was bloody and swollen. She had a bullet wound in the center of her chest. She had been dead for several hours. Sherry was 29 years old. John and Sherry's home was destroyed also. Like something crazy had just happened right. before and the wounds on Sherry's face indicated that she had been struck with a porcelain vase that was lying in shards beside her. Oof. So there was quite a fight right. that had gone down. She also had a bite mark on her inner left forearm. Furniture was askew and knocked over. There were contents of a credenza that had been dumped out all uh -huh. over the floor 
There was a bloody handprint near the security alarm button as if she had attempted to set it off or something. There was a trail of blood on the stairs. There were smudges of blood on the walls. And upstairs, the sliding glass door leading to the back balcony was shattered. So that's where those shards of glass had come from that John had seen. Okay. When he, oh, right. From the, in the garage When he area. first entered. Uh-huh. Right. There was also a quilt that had a bullet hole in it, indicating that Sherry's assailant had attempted to muffle the sounds of the gunshots. Sherry had been struck three times in the chest. Two of the bullet holes in her chest were contact wounds, which means that they had been fired point blank right into her chest. This was like an assassination, essentially. It was suspected that the first shot was fired and that the remaining two bullets were fired straight into her chest using the quilt to muffle the sounds. There wasn't, however, any sign of forced entry. When the coroner arrived on the scene, he took samples for a rape kit as well as saliva samples that were from the bite mark on Sherry's arm. Now, at this time, this is 1986, DNA evidence, DNA testing in cases that's not a thing yet that's not i mean it's like incredibly it's in the beginning stages in the late 80s and early 90s and it wasn't until the oj case really where it was very like mainstream yes that this was being used desi knows all about the oj case so that's why i bring it up (laughs) that's my timeline that's her (laughs) so homicide detective lyle mayer told John Rutten that he believed that Sherry's murder was the cause of a burglary gone wrong. This has all the signs of a burglary. There's shit all over the floor. Was anything stolen that he knew of? Well, her car was missing. Right. And her purse was stolen. Okay. So this detective is basically like, this guy just did a really, whoever burglarized your house did a really bad job, and they were spooked when they saw your wife. And she tried to fight back. Right. Right. So immediately this detective is like labeling this a burglary. Right. John was questioned the night at their home, but he was quickly ruled out as a suspect. Detective Mayer asked John the usual questions. How was your relationship? Did you guys have any money problems? But John was like, no, everything's been amazing. I mean, they were newlyweds. Yeah. They had just gotten married like months prior, basically. Sherry's parents were informed the next day that their daughter had been murdered. Nels Rasmussen, her dad, asked Detective Mayer, have you checked up on John's ex-girlfriend? She's a cop. According to her dad, Sherry had been complaining about this woman harassing her. In fact, Sherry had said that this female cop had even confronted her once at work. Nels Rasmussen didn't know the name of this woman, All he knew was that she was an L.A. police officer. Detective Mayer was, however, not concerned with John's ex-girlfriend being the culprit, but he did make a note of it, but never followed up. Really? Yeah. And the husband didn't know anything about her harassing Sherry? Well, we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. As neighbors were interviewed... Detective Mayer learned that there had actually been reports of a pair of male burglars in the area. In one instance, in fact, a burglary had resulted in an assault being committed. So this all just solidifies this detective's idea. He's like, oh, well, that sounds like... Sounds like what's happening in the neighborhood. Right, right. Just another robbery. A week after the murder, Sherry's car was discovered on a street in Van Nuys, unlocked with the keys in the car. There was no real compelling evidence inside. Months passed, and detectives continued to follow the burglary lead. Sherry's family offered up a $10,000 reward for information pertaining to Sherry's murder. In an article that ran in the L.A. Times, Detective Mayer alerted the public that they were looking for a pair of Latino men between 5'4 and 5'6". He is just not letting this go. Yeah. Short kings. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That is like a meme now. People keep talking about like that height is like a big deal with guys. I guess. I guess. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's like this new thing I've noticed on Twitter too. I just never really cared if a guy is short or tall. I don't care either. And I think it's weird that women are fetishizing tall or short. Like, 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because I do think there was like a thing where women were talking about tall guys, like don't talk to me if you're under six foot or something like that, which is crazy. But now there's all these women who are like, don't talk to me if you're over five six. I'm sorry. Wait, there like, are. I don't. I, I don't know. Like, there's this whole short king thing. Sometimes I don't get like where it's jokes like, how about originated just, from. It's like how about just being interested in someone regardless of their like isn't it weird to fetishize a short or how tall like look i don't know we all have our preferences i've dated short and tall guys and look at the end of the day doesn't matter let me just say that it doesn't and i think i think things just take off on twitter in weird ways like they become a joke thing more or a hot take thing right more than anyone actually thinking about it in real life well it's like we've all probably forgotten how over the summer everyone was obsessed with pete davidson yes and now everyone hates him his big dick energy right but now it's like oh he we were wrong right so we were wrong about bde (laughs) how many other (laughs) who else are we wrong about well the best tweet i saw about that was when somebody said all along, it was Ariana Grande who had the BDE. And it's like, duh. Look, I never was into Pete Davidson. Like, I didn't think he had BDE. Look, there's evidence of me on Molly's podcast talking about how I was into their relationship. So I'm just not going to say anything further to incriminate okay. myself. But the police investigation for Sherry Rasmussen's killer or killers went nowhere. The case went cold. Sherry's family, however, refused to give up. Sherry's parents, Nels and Loretta Rasmutin, were convinced that John Rutten's ex was worth investigating. In 1989, Nels even wrote a letter to Chief of Police Daryl Gates urging him to look into it, but he never received a response. In fact, when Nels spoke to Van Nuys detectives about looking into John's ex-girlfriend, he was told... You watch too much television. <gasps> That's rude. This Look, is we kinda, all watch television. This is television. giving me vibes of like the Jeffrey McDonald case where the parents never gave up. Yeah. You know? Uh, what was that case? You know it. It's Fatal Vision. The army guy who killed his wife and two toddler daughters in like North Carolina. Oh, the one, it's a recent very one. Fam- no, it's not recent. It's from the, the late 60s, I think. Oh, you, you probably know it. It's yeah. a very famous case and the parents never gave up because he said it was like hippies who came in and killed his wife. I'm, the movie is really good. It's like a really good classic TV movie well, and Carl, Carl Malden plays the dad and he's like unrelentingly trying to get justice for his daughter. It's just reminding me of that. Cause it's right. like, I love these parents. Right. Like, but I'm sure for the murderer, it's very frustrating. It's like, just give up. <laughs> Stop right. pushing. Right, right, right. It was right. the robbers. Like, I give swear. it up, bitch. My God. <laughs> Listen to the cops. Those all... crazy parents just never giving up. The cops are always right. Yeah. Come on. Well, because you're probably frustrated because you're like, yes, they think it's a robbery. And then the fucking parents <laughs> to come in and cause trouble. So there was only one note that detectives made regarding this female cop. And that was that John had confirmed that, yes, at one point he did date a woman at the LAPD and her name was Stephanie Lazarus. Police never examined Stephanie for defensive wounds or interviewed her after Sherry's murder. In the early 90s, when DNA testing was still in its infancy, Nels begged detectives to use it to help identify the killer. And it wasn't just evidence that could be gathered from the bite mark. There was also hair and blood samples that could have been tested that were found at the scene. Right. Nels even offered to pay for the testing himself. Damn. Because they were first, like first when he approached them, he's like, you guys have heard about this DNA testing. It's legit now. Like it it was used to solve this case. It was used to solve that case. Can we do this? We have saliva evidence. There's blood samples. There's hair. And they're like, uh, our budget kind of sucks right now. Yeah. That's like literally what they told him. And he's like, I'll pay for it. I like have, I researched this. I have a lab we can get it tested at. And they were like, you know, get out of here. Move on with your life. Jesus. They brushed this guy off. They were like so not helpful to this poor grieving father. But Nels and Loretta Rasmussen could not ignore the chilling stories that their daughter had told them about John's ex-girlfriend. They didn't know her name, but they knew that she was a cop. 
They knew that she had been harassing their daughter after her and John moved in together. Once she came by their condo, I mean, this is such a like, this is a classic harasser move, I feel like. I mean, not this maybe specifically, like this is very specific, but this is very much like the person who will make any excuse to fucking contact you. Yeah. So Stephanie Lazarus apparently drops by the condo of Sherry and John after they'd move in together. And she's like, John, will you help me wax my skis? <laughs> yeah. That classic move. Right. No, I'm not. I didn't, I didn't say the specific. I didn't mean the skis was classic. I meant like the classic move of like, come- that's what you're running out of things to get them to help you with. Right. I'm just saying like the classic move of someone who's so desperate to have any contact yeah, with you yeah, 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 yeah. that they'll find any, they'll find some stupid, like, I'm sorry, but it happens to me on Twitter all the time or in the DMS. They find some excuse to contact you. Right. Or, and it's yeah. like, I, you don't need to find any random excuse to talk to me. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, so she's like, why are you going to your ex ex's house to ask him to wax your skis? That could also have a very sexual connotation. <laughs> I don't know what How it dare is. You? I haven't figured it how out. How dare you ask my husband <laughs> to wax your skis? Wait, I'm trying to look at John to see how hot he is. Okay. I mean, not that it matters. Well, sometimes it does. He's cute. Don't you think he's kind of cute? I have, I was not even looking at him. I was really focusing on the women. Let me see him. I mean, he's cute. Yeah, he is cute. I mean, and she's cute. Like, they're an attractive Everything's looking... cute, they're... except for Stephanie. She sucks, and we'll get into her. Okay. Sherry was like, oh, no, you're not waxing my husband's skis. And John was like, let's just placate her. Yeah. Let's wax the skis. Then she'll leave us alone. And Is that a hard thing to do? I've never skied. <laughs> Sorry. Really? No. Why would I? So I could get injured? I don't think so. <laughs> I was really into snowboarding growing up. Oh, really? Yeah. That's one of those things. I was like, sure, I could do it, but I'll break my leg in two seconds. Here's the thing. I'm good at snowboarding, and I really like doing it. And I would like to go on a snowboarding trip in the future. Here's my problem. I'm afraid of heights and chairlifts terrify me. How did you do it before? I don't know. But it was like, as I got older, I developed a fear of heights. And now the longer you've gone without it. Now the longer I've gone without it, I'm scared of being hanging. I mean, like, I'm sorry. It's 2018 and chairlifts are still built like it's the 1800s. There's no way I'm not falling out of that thing. Dude, they, and like, you're always in the chairlift with someone who's like, let's rock it. And you're like, no, we're going to fall. I like the idea of just like being in the outfit, in the lounge, like drinking hot toddies, stuff like that, and just hanging out. When I was in high school, I had a 70s après ski party, dinner party. That's just how. What's après ski before skiing? Yes. That's just like how flaming of a queer person I am is that I was like, this is the theme party I want to have. How old were you? I was 17. Oh. And I made fondue. Uh, <laughs> that sounds so I good. Made, I made like mushroom turnovers. Like everything was very like 70s theme. Yes. And I got dressed up in like a vintage Lacoste sweater. I got at the thrift store. Me and my best friend, Spencer, we hosted this party. One of our friends. Spencer. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> He's like a really important designer now. <laughs> he, um. But yeah, and one of our friends showed up on mushrooms. It was like perfect. It was such a nice evening. It It was before my life went to shit. Yeah. It was like right before my life went to shit. Okay. So they wax the skis. Sherry's not happy about it, but John has convinced her at this point, like, just we'll do this one thing for her and then she'll leave us alone. That's rarely the case. Like, that's like what we talk about with if you give a mouse a cookie. Yes. They're back for more. Right. It's like if you... It doesn't stop them. If you reply to the guy's DM... Just to be like, haha, they're not gonna take that haha as a I'm not interested. They're gonna yes. take that haha as a She thinks I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they'll keep DMing you for the rest yes. of your fucking life, even though it's like they're stop. Chasing that haha. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now Sherry's also thinking, she's like, who is this woman? Are you sleeping with this woman? What's going on? And John's like, I swear to God, it's not that she's just a little, you know, crazy, crazy. Uh, and so Sherry believes him. She's like, okay, that's all right. But, but she's also still concerned at this point that this woman has been sort of hanging around and trying to, and like unannouncing coming over to their house unannounced. Yeah. 
John also told Sherry, he was like, you know, we were friends in college. Like we had, yes, we had a fling in college. We had a fling in college, but it was nothing more than that. It was just sex and we're just friends. That's it. We're not even good friends. So Sherry's like, okay, all right, all right. After the ski incident, John's ex showed up again, this time in her police uniform. Sherry was home alone and John was at work. Stephanie's gun was visible and Sherry felt like that was a threat, like that she came over in her police uniform, like as this power move. And like kept pulling her jacket back so the gun would show or something. Yeah, Yeah. like in a cheesy movie. Yeah. Like she was like, this is a, she took that as a threat basically, like as a thinly veiled threat. It's weird. It's weird that she's showing up to her house unannounced and it's really, I would be feel threatened if some like cop ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah was just showing up at my house. It's weird. It's fucking weird. Sherry made it clear at this point. She's like, Stephanie, you're not allowed in my house. Like, I don't want you around. I don't want to see you. I don't want to know you. Take your skis and shove them up your fucking ass. (laughs) Wax them that way, bitch. (laughs) Wax on, wax out of my life, bitch. I mean, and that works because the karate kid. Yeah, I mean, the timing is perfect for that reference, Rachel. Thank you. (laughs) okay but stephanie refused to leave sherry alone one day while sherry was at the hospital where she worked in glendale stephanie burst through the doors marched past the front desk and confronted sherry in her office this time however she was not wearing her police uniform she was dressed in tiny shorts and a tube top (laughs) You know I had to include that. I, I mean, that does make me love her for one second. <laughs> but she would show up in that outfit. I mean, I just imagine the jiggly boobs as she's marching in. Like, see what your husband had? <laughs> right. Jesus. I mean, that is like... I would never... Like, I, I tweeted something about this earlier where I was going to confront someone, but I didn't like what I was wearing. Oh, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I was yeah. just like, I'm not going to confront them. And then they're all going to tell the story about the crazy bitch. <laughs> Like, I know what happens after this. Right. I have to look relatively cute before I confront a group of guys on anything. (laughs) Oh, I totally relate. Yeah. So, I mean, that's ballsy, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, she got, yeah, she totally got dressed up Mm -hmm. before storming into her hospital. And, And then reportedly, Stephanie at one point even told her roommate at this time, like, she's not even cute. Like, she was telling her about Sherry? About Sherry. Oh, okay. So she was doing that whole thing. Yeah, like, she's like, and she's not even cute. Like, well, guess who he's getting married to? Exactly. So, so not you. Take, you. Yeah. <laughs> even with a tube top. <laughs> I mean, a tube top is a bold statement. It's so bold. <laughs> it's so bold. All of this information, all of this was reported to Detective Mayer. How do you not just interview her? I mean, that is crazy to me. Cops. Is it really the cop? Yes, Desi. Oh my God. Yes. They are protecting their own. All of this information was reported to Detective Mayer after Sherry was murdered. And the dad and the mom of Sherry have been begging them for years, like, check into it. We have told you these horror stories that are, you have no leads. Like, you think it's these two phantom burglars that you haven't even caught. Check up on this. The thing that actually makes sense. Occam's razor, bitch. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So Sherry's husband, John, was not convinced that his ex could have done this. I think he was in deep denial personally. Well, you know what? Guys also, I think, don't realize that for her, it was a meaningful relationship. And for him, it was just fucking around in college. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And we will get into their relationship more too, because that's very interesting to me. And there's a lot to, as they say on Twitter, unpack. (laughs) We're going to let it sink in. (laughs) So he believed that Sherry was really upset by her presence because she was concerned that he was cheating on her yeah, and not the fact that this is a woman who has been stalking and harassing her. Yeah. So he's just more concerned about... He's at that point. Like, he's not even thinking about... That she's scared. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's just like, oh, she was really upset about this because she thought there was something between us still. Right. 
let's talk about John and Stephanie's relationship. Okay. Before let's rewind. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't exactly call this relationship healthy as I'm sure you can gather by (laughs) the parties involved. I'm guessing Stephanie has never been in a healthy relationship. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good guess. So John and Stephanie met in college when they were both at UCLA in 1978 John was an engineering major, and Stephanie was studying political science. Both of them were athletes, and guess where they both lived? They both lived at the Dykstra Hall. That's the name of the dorm oh, area. Lenny? I just, I just was like, De- Desi loves Lenny Dykstra. Right. Well, so, not anymore. Come on. Right. Not anymore, but she did. I did. She yes. did. Okay. They started out as friends, but progressed to hooking up, and Stephanie was way more into John yeah. than he was into her. She apparently would steal his clothes from him while he was showering, and she also liked to photograph him in his underwear while he was sleeping. Wow. But I guess he liked fucking her so much that he didn't really care. Well, because crazy bitches are good. (laughs) (laughs) That has been said before. So after they graduated, they continued to casually hook up for the next several years, but Stephanie's obsession with John never went away. She always considered John to be like her boyfriend. Yeah. And he always just considered her a girl he fucks. So they fucked for a long time. For years. Yeah. Yeah. For years on and off. And is there about like how many times per year? Like, was it a regular thing or every few months? Like, I think it was a pretty regular thing, but John was always seeing other women. Yes. It was never exclusive. It was never. But he was consistently fucking her throughout the years. Right. But Stephanie was always exclusive with him. Oh. And she had that classic thing of, if I just stay faithful to him and. He'll come around. Yeah. Right. The classic that a mistake that we all try to learn some point in our early twenties. Yeah. Some of us, it takes longer, but to realize he ain't shit. Yeah. You know, and I'm sorry, John ain't shit or, or, yeah. he's, or he's just not into you. Yeah. He's not into you that way. And he's never going to magically become into you one day. Exactly. Like, and that's what she's hoping for. She's hoping that one day he sees the truth that she's her, that she's the true love of his life. <laughs> right. So when he gets, when John gets engaged to Sherry Rasmussen in 1985, Stephanie was pissed. I mean, she went off the deep end. She called John up and she was like, come over. We need to talk about this. How dare you get engaged when you're in a relationship? <laughs> right. I mean, and if you think you're in a relationship with someone and they get engaged, that's a big like wake up call. That <laughs> should be a big wake up I call. I think so. Right. I mean, come on. She's already planning the, you yeah. know, the dinner that would you like salmon with sun-dried tomatoes yeah. or chicken with artichoke hearts do you want a pita pocket station where everyone can make their own pita pocket i have the whole wedding plans she calls john up and she's like come over right now we need to talk about this (laughs) i mean john is is not exactly a perfect angel in this scenario because he went over there and he heard her out slash fucked her he fucked her he fucked her after he got engaged after he got engaged oh man and they had there was still some overlap between while he was dating sherry and he was still fucking and stephanie. fucking stephanie so he was leading her on in a capacity right and i don't and i do think he's a douche for that totally like i do think like that's like stephanie's fucked up He's making her idea that he wants to be with her, but for some reason he can't believable because he fucked her again. Dude. Yeah. So it's like she should be smart enough on her own and realize that he's fucked up. But he is making her kind of think like he really wants to be with me. Clearly. Like I have a chance. Yeah. Like he's still and he's cheating on his wife or his future wife. Well, they're probably in a committed relationship at right, that point. Right, yeah. Right. So, I mean, yeah. you get engaged to someone. You're definitely not dating other people at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. So they fuck. She professes her love to him and is like, you can't marry Sherry. You can't do it. And then they got married. He decided, you know, I'm well, I'm gonna marry Sherry anyway. Yeah. And that sent her into a spiral. Like Ugh. a total rage spiral. She could not handle this information. She's such an idiot 
because she should have told Sherry they fucked and Sherry probably would have broken the engagement. Well, okay. <laughs> John went ahead before Stephanie had the chance to do that and he confessed oh, that they fucked. Okay. And Sherry was obviously heartbroken and upset yeah. and angry, like as anyone would be. But she did forgive him and he promised, you know, it's never happen again. He gave the, he gave her the speech. Yeah. It'll never course. happen again. I love you. I fucked up. Let's not let this one thing right. ruin our relationship. I mean, that's a pretty big thing. Yeah. That's a pretty big setback in yeah. a relationship. And I'm, and I'm not saying people can't recover from cheating because I think they can. I'm just saying that's like, I was like she that- confronting Sherry at this point or not yet? Oh, yeah, she's been confronting her ever since they moved in together. Okay. Right. Yeah, so Sherry knew who she was. Yes. Okay. After his wife's murder, John was unwilling to concede that Stephanie could have been responsible for this, for the murder. Mostly because the police detectives assured him repeatedly it was not Stephanie. It was the burglars. He probably also wanted to believe that it wasn't her. Of course. Like, I mean, I'm sure he felt so much grief and guilt right and he wouldn't allow himself to even conceive that that would be the case because i'm sure he would have felt responsible yeah in some capacity well in 1989 john rutten and stephanie ended up hanging out again and they went to hawaii together what (laughs) yes so it's like maybe he can't get enough of her either even though he just likes her i mean i'm beginning to think she has a point (laughs) Like he is leading her on I don't in a know massive way. What this is all about. I mean, even just the fact like I would just want to distance myself from anything possibly reminding me of my past relationship yeah. that ended in murder. Right. I don't know. So it, that was really odd to me reading That's that. That's really weird. That they went to Hawaii and that one of their other friends accompanied them. But I assume that they fucked on this trip. I be- mean. Because according to John, they did fuck a couple more times after Sherry's murder. Oh, yeah. dude. Right. I take back my cuteness remark. <laughs> well, before he went to Hawaii, he actually called the cops again and was like, are you sure she didn't do it? Really? And they were like, she didn't do it. It was the burglars. I like to think that he was just about to put the con- condom on. <laughs> and he's like checking one last time. Right. Wait, you're sure, right? He's in the bathroom. He's in the bathroom with a heart on. She has her teddy on. (laughs) Teddy, of course. Because it's 89. Of course. So they're like, no, she didn't do it. John ended up getting remarried, remarried a few years later, and Stephanie married a fellow police officer in 1996. Stephanie also rose up through the ranks in law enforcement. In the 1990s, she worked for D.A.R.E., and which if you don't know what dare is it's i don't even know what the acronym stands for something about drugs it's about drugs it's about drugs are really exceptionally great <laughs> darig okay dare is like a program in schools that was really popular in the 1990s like cops would come into school and tell you and drugs tell you were about bad drugs being bad it's like the next it's like just say no's like the next phase of that or something right they're right. both narc little cousins right so i never had the dare program at my school <laughs> See? And, and that's what happens <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna say uh, my drunk ass i'm sure if we did have the dare program i just would have found out about new drugs sooner right and been like oh that sounds yeah. fun Ooh, angel dust <laughs> sounds pretty <laughs> so okay so she eventually became a detective. So she's like excelling in her career. Right. She's like a, at this point, a very respected member of the LAPD. In- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. 2001, the L.A. Cold Case Homicide Unit was created for the purpose of reopening cold cases that could be solved with DNA evidence. A criminalist named Jennifer Francis began work there a few years later, and the case of Sherry Rasmussen intrigued her. In the report, she saw that Sherry had a bite mark on her, but the swab with the saliva on it was not in the evidence, and that alarmed her. She's like, well, if they says they swabbed, where is it? Why is it not in the evidence? So she went to the coroner's office where they had to dig through the freezers to find this old ass manila envelope from 1986. Wow. That had the swab in it. Oh, cool. And fortunately it wasn't damaged, but it had just been left there after the coroner took it and never entered into evidence. So Jennifer had it tested. And in 2005, the DNA report came back. The saliva belonged to a woman. But when Jennifer Francis went to detectives at the cold case unit to suggest that they reopen the case, because now it contradicted everything they said before about two male burglars, she was told that, well, there could have been a female burglar. Right. (laughs) Maybe they couldn't get child care. (laughs) So... She was dismissed. They were told, okay, don't look at this. So all they got back from the DNA was that it was female? Yes, because they didn't have, because she looked through the criminal records and it didn't have a match, but they knew it was female. It belonged to a female. This case wouldn't be looked at again until February of 2009 because they like blackballed Jennifer, like they just stopped her at every turn. Anytime she had a question about this, they were like, don't look, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Just let it go. Let it go. So it wouldn't be looked at again until February, 2009, when Van Nuys detective Jim Nuttall was examining the file. He reported Jennifer Francis's DNA discovery to his supervisor, detective Rob Bubb. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Look, great name. I saw your face before you were about to say it, and I knew it was going to be precious. <laughs> like, I love when people are like, listen, bub. Yeah. I mean, it's a great last name. <laughs> it's great. And your first, name's, cop? And your first name's Rob. Rob Bub. <laughs> Can you look him up? I need to know what he looks Okay, I'm like. looking him up. So two additional detectives then look at the case, and they're all like, wait a minute. The detective originally in charge of this case, Meyer, uh-huh. Mayor, was way off because they're re-looking at all this evidence right. with a fresh pair of eyes. Then they surmised a completely different story of what had happened that day that Sherry Rasmussen was murdered. They surmised that Sherry had been confronted upstairs by a stealthy intruder and that the shattered glass door was caused by bullets being fired in her direction. They then suspected that Sherry had run downstairs to escape, attempted to press the panic button, and then she engaged in a struggle with her assailant. Sherry's assailant then smashed her over the head with the vase, incapacitating her just enough 
for her to then shoot Sherry in the chest three times, killing her. So did they think that she entered through that balcony? No. Or she entered through the bottom and then just walked yes. up? Yes. They it. said okay. that she was, she was, there was like some intruder stealthily made it in. Got it. Like the door was unlocked. It was not a break-in. Because they, they, I mean, they knew that already, that there that wasn't. was no break-in. There was no break-in. But they were like, oh, this struggle started upstairs. So right. they put together a whole other story yeah. with the evidence they looked at. The evidence also showed that this was not a botched robbery, but it was an attempt to stage a botched robbery. The detective searched the files looking for who would want to kill Sherry Rasmussen, and then they came across the name of John's ex-girlfriend, Stephanie Lazarus, their colleague, the respected detective in the art theft division, because that's where she was working oh, now. She was okay. working in like the burglary, spe- specifying in uh, art art theft right she was actually uh in 2008 she recovered this like bronze statue that had been stolen because they were now investigating one of their own they had to keep this all super under wraps and limited to a small handful of people in the division so as not to screw this up during the investigation they discovered that just two weeks after sherry's murder stephanie had reported her backup firearm stolen The firearm that she reported stolen was the same type of firearm that was used to murder Sherry. Detective Rob Bubb was able to secretly obtain DNA from Stephanie from a discarded soda cup and straw. When the DNA came back, oh, and she was like at Costco and she like tossed. I mean, I read (laughs) it was like she was literally at Costco and... The detective, Rob Bubb, is trailing her. This is like out of a movie. This is out of a movie. And she tosses it. Be careful with those samples you take at Costco (laughs) if you're a murderer. (laughs) She tosses it into the can. He's like, got it. You know? Oh, that's so exciting. I know. (laughs) So they get, get her DNA off this cup that she's discarded. And when it came back for a match for the bite mark, he was like, oh, shit. Right. That's the saliva. It was Stephanie. On June 5th, 2009, a bunch of LAPD officers met up at 4.30 in the morning at the police academy in Elysian Park. They were all given an assignment for a search warrant to be completed outside of their jurisdiction. Stephanie was tailed by a detective that morning on her commute. Meanwhile, officers had assembled in Simi Valley and were about to execute their search of Stephanie's home. They took her computer and her journals. Stephanie had taken the train to work, so officers were also able to search her car. Stephanie sat down at her desk at 6.30 a.m. that morning when robbery detective Daniel Hamario approached her. He said that he's working on a case and he could really use her help in questioning a suspect. And she's like, okay. So they headed down to an interrogation room at Parker Center. This location was chosen so that she would have to surrender her firearm. When they sat down in the interrogation room, another guy arrived, Detective Greg Stearns. They immediately start asking her about John Rutten. I mean, they don't waste any time. Okay. There is an entire interview on YouTube. You can watch this entire interrogation. It's riveting. It's fascinating. I mean, the first thing they say is, do you know what John Rutten? And she's like, Rutten. She immediately corrects them. Yeah. Like she, I mean, and Desi, I watched, watched some of it when right. Desi came over. Do you have any comments about? Well, it's interesting now. Cause I didn't really know the context of like how the video came to happen. Right. Uh, and she's clearly not prepared for this at all. So no. now I know that she literally had no idea that she was even being interviewed about this. Right. So she's really scrambling. I mean, it makes more sense now how fucked up she is during the interview. Right. Cause she's like the biggest liar. I mean, she clearly is lying. Right. So it's like definitely makes more sense that she had no preparation for what she was going to say. Right. So she's scrambling to make things like, Oh, I know, but not really. Like it's just, constantly blinking and like like i mean she's literally doing things like that it's like unnerving to watch it's you can feel the tension she's so busted and she knows it but she's still trying to deny things right and she's sort of 
And you have to think that if she had any preparation, she probably would have been much better oh, yeah. during the interview. She's a cop. Yeah. I and mean, she would have known what to say. Or she probably wouldn't have spoken at all. Right. But, yeah. Right. She could have just not spoken at all. And this tape is like an hour an hour long or an hour and 12 minutes yeah. long it's so, a long tape but it's fascinating we will put it up on our facebook page please remind us to post it i mean it's really fascinating so in the interview we'll talk a little bit about that now stephanie is playing it off in the beginning like her relationship with john was just whatever she's like she does a lot of this like yeah i mean i, I knew it. yeah i knew him i guess i mean did we date maybe yeah sort of yeah like she's responding to these guys like they're fucking idiots for asking yes. her this about a relationship that occurred quote a million years ago she uses that phrase a million years ago about 12 times during yeah. the interrogation. She's like, I don't know. It was a million years ago. What year is it now? 2009? I don't know. That was like, what, 82? Did we date? Possibly. May yeah, we dated. Like, I don't know what he would say. Right. Like, yeah. Maybe. I guess he was. What? Did he say we were dating? <laughs> I mean, she is just like so defensive throughout the show. She whole... doesn't know what to say because she doesn't know what they know. Right. Hold so on. she's like, doesn't want to give definitive answers either way i think right and she sort of and she does that thing where she tries to derail the conversation and they let her derail a little bit to get her more comfortable right and they want her to spill something you know she talks about her marriage she tries to talk about her current marriage like well when did i meet scott ah 92 did i meet him in 92 maybe 90 we got married in 96 god it was so long ago she just keeps talking about yeah. how long ago everything was and then at one point she also gives a shout out to her friend greg who is dying of liver cancer oh yeah and i wanted to bring that up because to me that was like the classic sociopath move to sort of like shift the focus onto like you should feel bad for me yes for what i'm going through right now my friend is dying I mean, just the way that she said it and the where she interjected it when she was sort of, she's like, I mean, you can ask my friend Greg who's dying of liver cancer. Yeah. Like she is scrambling for absolutely anything at this point to take the heat off of her. Yeah. And to sort of shift the blame onto these officers that are, have the audacity to question her. She even says like, I thought this was about theft. I thought this was a robbery case. Why are we talking about this? Yeah. This was a million years ago. And then she starts getting really defensive and being like, are you guys accusing me of doing this? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, how could you, how have you no shame? <laughs> Some of the looks too, like her I mean, face, they're indescribable. You have to watch the video. They're incredible. I mean, this is like, she's like playing indignant. Right. But it's just so badly done. Cause she knows she did it. Like, <laughs> this is my dream role to play yeah. in a film. Like, this is my dream role. I would love to play her in a film. It's, it's like this blinking. and like, it, it, She's like aghast. She's like, I, I, uh, 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 wait a minute. Are you guys accusing me of something? <laughs> uh, you know, and they're asking her, like, did you ever get in any fights with people before? She's like, I mean, uh, you, uh, like, yeah, she she's appalled. She's appalled at every single question. She has no chill in this interview. No chill whatsoever. So. At the end of the interrogation, they take her out of the room. So the room in the video is empty for like a minute. And you can just hear like some muffled muffled voices. And then they bring her back in, but she's in handcuffs. <laughs> and she's not happy about being in handcuffs. And they're reading her her Miranda rights. And she's the last thing she says as they take her away is what was it? It was like this is a, this is outrageous. Or she's like, <laughs> she's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like she cannot believe it. She even makes a, a crack at how she's been in law enforcement longer than the people oh, right. in, interrogating her as if that should have any bearing yeah. on whether or not she fucking murdered someone. Yes. How dare you? Yeah. She's like, how long you've been in law enforcement? 19 years. Well, I've been in law enforcement 26 years. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Immediately following the interrogation, she's arrested and booked into the Linwood jail. Her bail was set at $10 million. Wow. Just for reference, Phil Spector was like a million dollars. Really? Yeah. So they 
set her bail so high because they were like, well, this case is so airtight. She definitely has a reason to flee. And her husband's also a cop. She could get guns from him. Okay. So they're like, we're not letting you out. In December of 2010, Sherry's parents sued the LAPD for their mishandling of the case. And good for them. I, I support that. So they're still alive. Yeah. Yeah. However, the suit was thrown out because of a statute of limitations. They would have needed to file the suit by the year 2000, which is such bullshit. Because they didn't know yet. They didn't know. It should be after you find out they fucked up. You have nine years. Right. 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 The trial began in January of 2012. John Rutten, through tears, testified against Stephanie John admitted to having sex with Stephanie while he was with Sherry, and he also admitted that he had confessed to Sherry about it and how he, you know, felt so much remorse, and I don't doubt that, and I don't doubt... You mean about the time when after the engagement? Yes. Uh-huh. So okay. he was like, yes, Stephanie and I did sleep together after Sherry and I were, were together. together. Sherry knew about it. I told her. She was heartbroken. You know, I loved her so much. You know, he's, he was really upset. And he said that he did not, he also said at the trial, he did not consider Stephanie as a suspect because the LAPD repeatedly assured them that she couldn't have been. Stephanie Lazarus was found guilty of the murder of Sherry Rasmussen and sentenced to 27 years in prison. Here's something interesting, and this could be an episode unto itself, so I didn't have time to go down this rabbit hole completely, uh, But it is some pretty interesting stuff. In 2013, Jennifer Francis, that's the criminologist or the criminalist who discovered that the DNA had come from a woman. Right. She filed her own lawsuit on the grounds that the police department bullied her into dropping her investigation on the case. In the suit, she alleges intimidation and fear of retribution if she didn't toe the line. She also alleged that there was sexual harassment made against her. The suit's still pending. But I was reading up a little bit about this before you came over, and it was pretty horrifying, some of the things that she alleged. She also was able to cite other examples of other women in the police. Right. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Right, where uh, people's leads were quashed because of, you know, internal politics and corruption within the LAPD, which I do not doubt for one second. Of course. I mean... We all know. There's a reason that they say that the LAPD is the biggest gang in Los Angeles. <laughs> Sorry for that take. <laughs> I mean... Do not at us. Do not at me. <laughs> do not at me. Yeah, I mean, it's 100% believable. Right. So, I, I mean, even she even said there was even something in the suit that talked about how in 1997 another criminalist was sort of stopped from like uh, investigating certain evidence against Biggie Smalls. Oh. So I, th- I was like, oh, well, that's a rabbit hole. I definitely am interested in going down and learning more about whatever happened with that. It's just a very frustrating uh, thing because it's yes. like, just don't, like, literally the bare minimum we're asking of you is don't fucking cover up for each other when your right. cops do something wrong. Right. At the bare minimum, can you just not fucking do that? Like, Right. <laughs> if you don't want to be labeled not all cops, yes. act like the it. The bare minimum, just fucking don't let cops get away with shit. Like, you'd think you'd want to police them better so you, that your reputation isn't drugged down. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, it's so I mean, infuriating to me. I mean, this is like... I mean, I, this whole case is infuriating yeah. because everyone's dismissed basically because she's a cop. Yeah. Like th- these parents, they, they lost their daughter and they don't have retro, like they don't have this kind of like the judge was like, mm, sorry, time's up. You couldn't do yes. it. I mean, at least they got justice finally. They did get justice, yeah. which is good. And I'm glad that th- there were detectives who did pursue her and follow up with this but you want the police to pay some price or at least have to like own up to their fucked upness because the police the the department in the 80s and 90s that were in charge of this case initially they like 
they did not do their job. Well, and also if they're dealing with Daryl Gates, who was like notoriously a horrible, right? What was he a police commissioner? Yeah, or whatever. Ugh, it's gross. Yeah. It leaves you with a gross feeling in your mouth, especially knowing that this woman. I mean, I can't even imagine being the parents and like I'm sure they did some digging on what this woman was up to, and they probably saw her in the paper, like you know, L.A. detective solves art theft. Yeah case yeah it's really horrifying i mean we have to post pictures of this woman too like i don't know like she does not do a very good job disguising the fact that something is very sick and twisted in her like the, some of the facial expressions that she makes she they did they did not catch good photos of her she just you just know this type of woman right do you know what i mean like i feel like i've seen this type before i think i told you when i was watching the video she had like an eileen warnos vibe to her a bit like just this like the eyes and the expressions and like the blinking like right i just remember seeing some of the uh warnos interrogations when she's speaking she has that same kind of like like she's trying to seem calm, but the the fear, like the eyes are just like bolting and and jolting like around. Well, like, it's like when a sociopath or a narcissist gets found out. Yes, they're like they're like scrambling. It's like flight flight or fight in real life. Right. Like you can see it. Right. Um, yeah, you have to watch the interview because I think that does give you a really great idea of who this person is. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like after hearing the story and you watch it, you're like, oh, this makes so much sense well because she got away with it for so long and it's like she's finally i mean can you imagine having done something 30 years ago or like at that point right and having and never hearing about it and then all of a sudden like it would be pretty fucking shocking yeah uh so i don't know and this is someone who clearly doesn't have a good moral compass so she did not even probably yeah how do you i mean i mean i can't imagine how you i mean because did she so she has she ever confessed uh, no, because she filed an appeal in 2013, and so it was she's denied. she's still denying that she did it, basically. Yeah, Because yeah. I'd be curious to know, like, what exactly happened. Like, did she go there to kill her, or was that an accident because they started fighting? Do you right. know what I mean? Like, that and we don't really know. Her. No, we don't know that. And I could see that that maybe was not something she meant to do, because she probably wouldn't have used her work revolver or whatever right to right. kill someone she probably would have bought something or stolen something from the evidence room or right. whatever right so i'm guessing it wasn't a planned act yeah it sounds like you know she went over there when she knew john was going to be at work and she could catch sherry before she went into work and maybe she wanted to scare her right or threaten her right but i bet you she did not plan on killing her and maybe that's why she was able to live with herself right because she probably thought well, if she didn't fucking fight me, I wouldn't have had to shoot her three times. In her demented logic. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking like it had to have not been planned. Yeah, yeah, that's. I never thought about that. That she didn't plan on it. I mean, because it's like she definitely did. She definitely thought she was slick trying to pull the robbery, the like botched well, robbery. I'm sure off. she, with her experience, knew what to do right. after the fact. Right. Um, and she didn't. And I don't know that she didn't plan it. That's just. I'm just speculating that it was weird she would use her work issued gun to kill someone right that yeah. does su- that ju- does suggest that if she went to the length to make it look like a botched robbery she would she it would have been better for her to use a stolen gun or some and she would have gun. had access to guns, oh yeah probably. yeah so it doesn't seem planned to me there's lots of things just the biting and the fight like i don't think she thought that she would be fighting somebody right. Do you know what i mean like right so I don't know. And it's she, weird. I would I, love to know what really happened. I mean, these cold cases are so fascinating to me because the ones that take place before DNA evidence is used, you know, they, yeah. the, the killers, they don't plan on, they didn't plan on DNA evidence. Exactly. So, but even a bite mark at that point was still sort of evidence. Cause you could do a, an impression of the right. teeth or something like, right. I yeah. mean, she just must've felt so confident that they wouldn't investigate yeah. her. I think that's what we don't get. Like cops might feel that right. level of confidence. And they didn't. They mm-hmm. like even and she was right. I mean even if they thought that she could have been the murderer, they just didn't even want to go down and pursue that road yeah. on the off chance that she was. Right. Like it's weird. It's disgraceful. I mean, it's utterly disgraceful. So, so yeah, that's that was it. interesting. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of that. I do remember when she was busted, because that was a pretty yeah. big news story in I LA. remember too. Um so let's see what other business do we have if you'd like to become a patron you can go to patreon 
com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. And we have bonus episodes available if you do contribute $5 or more. And you can even do a dollar, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever you think you can give, we appreciate it. We have a Facebook group you can join. I think you have to answer questions. Don't fucking be smart about it. <laughs> just answer <laughs> the questions because we get a lot of spam. So we just want to make sure it's a human being. It's not an opportunity for you to be clever or <laughs> we're not looking for the right answer. Just trying to make sure that you're a real person who's right. not going to be a pain in the ass. Um, what else do I have to remember? Oh, also leave us reviews on iTunes. If you can't, if you want to help us out yeah, and you don't have money or whatever. And everyone's reviews have been so sweet. Yeah. I just want to say that. I they love, are sweet. I love reading them. They're yeah, so nice. And they're very funny. Yeah. So we're having a little bit of a contest again. I think this will be the last this week for the, the next week for the next book giveaway, which is on the Black Dahlia. It's called Severed. It's like one of the classic books on the case. Uh, so yeah, go leave us a funny fucking review and we'll pick our favorite one and, and announce the winner next week. You can also just leave five stars if you're a lazy bitch. No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. If <laughs> we do. don't care. Yeah. Just do something like that'll be great. We love it. Thank yeah. you. So, um, yeah, I think that's that. That's that. And the social media is whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.